0: Say what's on your mind, tell them here and let them be. Well, I got something deep inside of me, I can't hide it anymore. It needs to be so free, there's no time to. Hello and uh, welcome to the show. My guest is, uh, I don't want to make him feel aged, but a veteran writer of television. (laughs) It's uh, Matthew Horowitz.
1: Hey, how are you? (laughs) Thanks Uh, for having me, David.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, so this is an interesting episode for me because we met only about 20 minutes ago via our mutual friend, uh, Julian Kiani, who's a past guest of the show, Uh, And he said that it'd be great to have you on because you have some, a great story to tell. uh, Hopefully that we've never heard before.
1: (laughs) Well, I I can, I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever told this story, which is part of the story. And when I was trying to figure out like what stories to tell, I ran a few of uh, private stories that aren't like the greatest hits. I ran a couple of them by my wife and, She dinged a few, like, no, no, no. And then she's like, you've never told me that story and I've never heard it. And just from the log line, you got to tell it. So.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, but, uh, I did want to ask, uh, a quick question. I should, I should mention, uh, you know, I, I looked at some of your writing credits just to get familiar with your work. Uh, and you know, one I'll highlight specifically amongst numerous credits, uh, is I feel like the underrated show Selfie.
1: Oh my god, yeah. Selfie was the best. Emily Kapnick, uh, John Cho, obviously, Karen. Uh, it, yeah, that was the best it was the best job. I mean, uh, great group of writers, beasts everybody has gone on uh to work on other stuff. And uh it was just a very kind of unique show it had. it probably had a title. <laughs> that people didn't realize was tongue in cheek, which might've led to some, uh, to some backlash, but yeah, it was such a fun show and very unique.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah. So as a, just a casual fan of the show, I can say uh, now that we're years removed that, or I guess I could, I said at the time too, but I always felt the title did not describe the show. And it bothered, (laughs) it bothered me that people were hating on the title and Consequently, the show. Yeah. When if you actually watched it, you're like, it's not really the title at all. It's really cool. It's fun. There's a great chemistry between John and uh, Karen Gillan yeah. And, you know, and like, you know, John chose like a personal kind of hero of mine. Like he does really cool projects. And so I was excited to see him on television again after a long time. So, uh, yeah, I was just bummed that that yeah. title kind of stuck I guess I wished it was a different title.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was one that I mean if you look at the timeline of when something's pitched it was probably ahead of the curve on the pitch and then by production it was like, "Oh no, we might be a-, a beat too late." But it was definitely a tongue-in-cheek title. It was not meant as like to brand ourselves as that. And um yeah, the show I thought the show was great. It was the second time I worked with John. I worked with him on Go On and he was the best. And it was just, yeah. Emily is just such an original voice and she puts together great teams and great shows. And it was, yeah, it was awesome. It was a bummer that people just judged it by the title.
0: (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So I, uh, before we get into your story for someone who tells tons of stories for, for his career and particularly comedic stories, uh, I, since we are recording during the midst of the uh, pandemic, I wanted to ask you, um, just a general like do you think that this time period will be written about the way like a world war 2 is written about like we're always going to come back to this time like the 2020 and write about 2020
1: oh it's interesting i don't know i mean like in writers rooms this is going to sound crazy but in writers rooms and stuff there's a lot of 911 jokes but you don't often see them on air and i feel like it's definitely something that's affected us and something that will be handled dramatically. Comedically, I just don't think people will come back to it all that much. I think it'll be something that people are scared of will be hacky by the time it's discussed. And like, you know, unless you have a truly unique point of view or, or take on this, I don't know that people will come back to it that much in, you know, in television or movies. I think it'll be hit on a couple of times. Definitely handled on the drama side, I just don't see, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that comedy is going to really come back to this well so much, you know, but that's just my gut. You know, I I feel like I had a lot of friends who called me the first week of the pandemic who were like, Oh my God, I had this idea that I think I'm going to write a spec about this couple that's stuck in a, in their house during the pandemic and it works or it doesn't. And then by the second week, everyone was like, too many people have this idea, <laughs> you know, like they were already kind of dried out. So I guess I just see that happening more and more, you know. Um,
0: what do you think? Uh, I, yeah, I, I feel like it's a well that, it's hard to go to this well because it's, there's a lot of dramatic things happening, obviously, with a lot of deaths and illnesses, but the bulk of people are just sitting at home. So I don't know mm-hmm. what exactly, like, I don't know what kind of well you can really go to. Uh, and also there's so much information in the present moment coming out, e- right. even, even funny stuff, like with memes or jokes that like, mm-hmm. we're already kind of like looking to move past this point right. and maybe don't want to go back to it at all.
1: Right. I did see, I had two great things happen to me uh, at stores in the first couple of weeks. The first one was I saw a mother and her teenage daughter fighting, both wearing masks in a Trader Joe's. And they were arguing because the mom was embarrassed by how uh, uncovered her daughter was. Like she was very, wearing a very revealing top, and they were fighting, <laughs> like amongst everybody trying to keep a social distance, but with masks on, talking about how uncovered they were. It was unbelievable. It was like the perfect people are going to be just who they are in this, in everything. And then the first, the weekend before everyone was locked in, I went to the store. I was trying to buy stuff and there was uh, an empty row, a row of uh, where the toilet paper should be. You know, there was nothing there and I'm looking at it and a woman, let's just say 70, pushing a cart, walks by me, she wasn't wearing a mask. We weren't wearing a mask yet. She walks by me. She looks at the empty, the empty aisle, and she just goes, "I guess I'm wiping my ass with cotton balls." <laughs> and then she walked away. And I was like, "Wow, okay, there you go." Like, I'm sure every writer has four or five of these things that happen, and people are just gonna be like, "I don't know if anyone wants to hear that." Like, I'm regretting having said it already. <laughs> so who knows?
0: Well, I mean, yours, yeah, yours will be for public consumption now.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll Uh, see.
0: So, yeah, so, uh, you know, as I uh, mentioned uh, for people who are listening to the first, uh, for this this show series for the first time, uh, I don't know Matt's story at all. Uh, I barely know Matt myself, actually. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to hear something. He's going to share something he's never told publicly and we've confirmed never told anyone aside from, running a log line by his wife. So I'm pretty excited to hear this fresh story, which is unrehearsed or unprepared, and who knows how it's going to go.
1: Let me ask you this. Um, Has anyone come on the show and told a shitting-their-pants story yet? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) They think about it.
0: (laughs) There's, no, there's a flatulent, there's a flatulent story, but not full-on number two.
1: All right. Well, this is a full on number two story. And it's, there's this weird thing where I've realized that more in my life, more than my brain or, or my heart, uh, my colon has been the part of my body that's guided my life the most, more than any other organ in my body. And, uh, it's helped me in my romantic life, which is crazy. And this is kind of how it helped me really grow up. Um, so look, I, I, I had a troubled childhood and teenage and twenties. I saw a lot of shrinks growing up for various reasons. And, um, I was in my mid twenties. I was out here. I didn't have a therapist. I'm from uh, New York and I was, uh, I had a pretty good job, but I wasn't like breaking through as a writer. And, um, I can say like looking back on it, I was probably in a pretty dark place and I get why I wasn't (laughs) super funny. And I had been to enough shrinks at that point in my life, around 24, that I realized I was starting to spiral, and I needed to 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 see a therapist. So I got a few names. I I I met this therapist, and I started going to see this shrink out here. And and it was very weird because this was a therapist like I never had. There wasn't an office situation. I went and I saw her. I would go to her house. I would go to her front door. I would walk through her kitchen. Her dog would jump on me, and then we'd go to her office in like the guest house. And she lived in Brentwood in like a huge house. So I assumed she was a good shrink, but like, I, she wasn't like, she was very maternal. She was like rooting for me. Whenever I told her that I had a problem, she would tell me how it was someone else's fault and people don't get me. And like, you know, it was exactly what I was kind of happy to pay someone to tell me. Cause I, I guess I just, those weren't the voices in my own head. Um, and, you know, I, look, I've had a bunch of weird shrinks in my life. Like I had a therapist when I was a kid and when he heard I was coming out here to be a writer, he called me and sent me his play and asked if I could read his play and give it to an agent. I was coming out here as an intern. Like it wasn't like I was coming out here to really be a writer. I was coming out here to start and my old shrink gave me his play. So <laughs> I, knew, I knew I was in a place where like this was just another one of those types of people. So, um, now let me just say now, uh, you know, I'm short and I'm chubby, but back then I I was a great deal larger. I was about five six, two twenty five, And, uh, I was gaining weight as I was working. I was working on a show, uh, called the late, late show with Craig Kilborn, which was like a really, I think underrated late night show. And like the writing staff were just beasts, like Alex Sulkin, Wellesley Wilde, Ross Abrash, Billy Kimball, Mike Gibbons, it, it was just really Neil Alsip. They were just really strong writers and I was trying to break through. I was a writer's assistant and I was really trying to break through, but I, I just couldn't. And this therapist was like, you know, you'll work through it and but talking me through it. Um, so I was like, I tried to get myself in order, go to a gym and start working out, losing weight, just really, you know, turn everything around. Well, one night I had had a salad for lunch. I had been a good boy and we were at the taping of the show and I felt something bad going on, but I couldn't leave the floor because the lights, the, 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 the lights were on, the show was going and all the doors were, you know, had the red on air sign. And so I was like struggling and I'm sweating. And at 225, like just anything would make me sweat. Now, if you combine, like, me thinking about these amazing writers <laughs> seeing me mess myself, plus the idea of, like, what is going on, I'm stuck, like, everything, my whole world was just collapsing in on itself. Finally, we go to commercial. I run out. Someone's in the bathroom. I don't get in in time, and I don't have a full accident, let me say that. <laughs> but enough happens where I realize I'm in, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> So I get the person leaves. I go in. I have to throw my underpants away. <laughs> and I look at my pants. My, there's a little bit of, uh, how should we say, shrapnel uh, on my chinos. Uh, but my underwear, most of the mess is gone. I'm cleaning up. People are knocking on the door. I'm yelling one minute. I'm needed on the floor because there's a joke fix that we have to get to Craig. I mean, I was just having a complete. And total breakdown. I leave and I'm just thinking, like, if one of these guys figures it out, if something happens, like, I think I'm clean, am I okay? I don't know. This is the end. Like, I'm over. My career is done. I'm gonna have to find a new line of work. I'm sure this will keep me from getting into law school, which is what my parents wanted me to do. I get out of uh, work, no one's noticed. I go to the therapist's house. I walk through her house and her dog comes up and bites me on my ass. (laughs) He he just takes a big chunk out of the Chino because he could smell something was going on in there. The dog could smell the shrapnel and the dog is holding onto my pants in my therapist's kitchen and pulling and pulling and she can't get the dog to let go of my pants. I'm just completely freaking out. She says, she's like, what's going on with your pants? Like, why is this happening? And I, and I go, I don't know. I don't know. I could not be honest with my shrink. I, like, I couldn't tell her the truth, which felt like a bad moment. <laughs> like, this should be the one person I could confide in who she could help me with, right? Yeah. Talk about your day, go through any of it. and. I just didn't. I sat there. She finally got the dog off me. I had a rip in the back of my pants. She didn't notice I wasn't wearing underwear, thankfully. I sat on her chair. I lied to her for an hour and I went home. I didn't tell anybody about it. The next morning, I walk in and
0: <clears throat> to, work. Wellesley
1: to, wa- yeah, to work. Yeah, to work. Kilborn. Wesley Wilde, phenomenal writer, uh, calls me in his office um, and he says, uh, I need to talk to you for a second. And I was like, Oh my God, he knows like what, what's about to happen. Like, this is totally the worst case scenario. And he's like, listen, you walk around here. Sometimes you get a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, like you should be a writer. And I've seen that attitude a thousand times. And last night when you got upset that your joke wasn't in the show or something wasn't in the show and you ran out, He's like, that was like crossing a line to me. And he's like, I recognize this in you because I had it at Saturday Night Live. He's like, you need to stop with the chip on your shoulder and just be happy that you're here. Like stop being a baby. You're in a great place. Learn and grow. And I was like, so relieved (laughs) that he didn't know what had really happened (laughs) that I was like able to not be defensive and actually take that point. You know, like I was like, yeah, he's right. I am bitter. I have a chip on my shoulder. And I was so thankful that he said that to me instead of like talking shit or whatever, talking shit, I guess could be the name of the podcast. Um, but he didn't know that that happened, but he did notice that even though, you know, he didn't know I shit myself. He knew that I was being a baby and I was just as mortified in that moment because I had been busted for being a terrible guy around the office. And I took that moment, and it was when I decided to leave my shrink and leave Kilborn. Like, that's when I started looking for another job. That's when I started realizing that, like, I'm not owed anything just because I was working for this show. You know, like, it turned my life around, it really, in a, in a major way. I, I lost weight, I got in shape. And I really got my kind of career together uh, after that. So uh, I guess, you know, I was a baby in that I shit my pants, but also it was the moment I grew up.
0: Wow, there's so much to unpack. <laughs> there's so much to unpack.
1: Was that too much?
0: <laughs> no, there's like, wow.
1: Feel, f- feel free to delete this if you don't like it.
0: Ah uh, no, Courtney, definitely not, no. It's got celebrity, it's got your career, it's got just you know straight just bowel movement humor right Uh, i mean it was
1: terrible it was terrible it was a i mean i don't know what happened i do remember also the shock the guys in the commissary just to give you an idea of my weight my their nickname for me was double meat because whenever i would come in and order a sandwich i would say double meat and i walked in that day and i ordered a salad and they were like double meats ordering a salad like I can, I can remember that look on their face they were right I shouldn't have done it uh
0: let's <laughs> yeah I guess I'll just ask a couple uh the, the, there's many questions but uh the first one that comes to I wanted to ask is when the when the dog bit you did he like break skin like were you bleeding
1: no, no he just broke Chino he grabbed right onto the like he went right for the spot that I had the quote unquote shrapnel Crapnel. he just grabbed right onto the spot it was unbelievable he just went right for it usually he was a he was a jumper he would get up in your face big like one of those big poodles i don't know you know the big ones uh he, he was basically as tall as me and this day he just went right around my back and grabbed my pants and he, could, he would not let go it was like a chew toy
0: that's a uh, wow uh... <laughs> Yeah, sorry. This is like there might be a hodgepodge of questions in no in no order cuz like I've hadn't heard this before obviously, but
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, and and I, and I, and I and I've never told it before, so I didn't Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know I was trying to structure it in my head as I was saying. Uh
0: what um I guess like how how long had you been at the Kilborn show before this moment happened where you crapped your pants? <laughs> like to develop kind of a, of this, I guess, apparently you to your surprise or, or, or just uh, like you became, you, you were told you weren't a good influence in the office or whatever. Like how many, yeah. how long were you there?
1: I had been there. I had been there at that point, like two and a half years. Um, Cause I left a year later and um, you know, I, yeah, I was Craig's assistant for a while. I got jokes in the show. Uh, I was moved over to be a writer's assistant. And like, you know, I just felt like you get to that point. I don't know if I I've worked with writer's assistants who certainly feel like they've been a writer's assistant too long and have that sort of like, um, God, I, I don't that, that attitude where you can sense that they're upset that they have to do the writer's assistant jobs. And that's what I was. Um, and really like I, I think about it all the time. I'm so grateful that Wellesley said that to me, that he put me in my place because he was 100% right. You know, um, that sort of pressure brought the worst out of me. I was competitive. Uh, yeah, I, um, I was never relaxed. I was anxious and I think, yeah, it, uh, i was not proud i was not proud of who i was inside and out and that was you know that was the day the inside came out i guess
0: <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you can always go back to the fact that you you, can you, go back you like craft beautiful. your
1: it's a beautiful brown well yeah like,
0: like you craft your pants in the middle of a production
1: in the in the middle of in the middle of a monologue
0: <laughs> oh a monologue oh his monologue yeah. Yeah. uh yeah, this is so random because I, you know, I wanted to get to know your, your work, and I did look at your credits, and I did see the Kilborn credit on your bio, and I was like, oh, I really like Craig Kilborn; I like that show. So yeah. I'm so I'm glad I didn't, I didn't like ask about it to be pleasantly surprised that like you had this <laughs> yeah. life changing experience of like the worst way to experience something on the job, I guess. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Wh- uh, what did uh? so did you did you uh feel i guess i was kind of feels like did you feel some type of pressure that you moved all the way out here to los angeles from from where you were so you know things got to kind of work out or else like what did i do this for was that kind of part of the pressure for you
1: I i had this well i knew very early on that i wanted to work in late night and uh like 10 or 11. I'm sure everyone kind of, you know, you've heard the SNL stories about the kids who stayed up late to watch SNL. Like, I was that way with Carson and Letterman. And um, right when I got to college, I knew like I wanted to work in late night. So I was trying to think about like, how can I get an internship? I'm not going to Harvard. I went to Ithaca College. How can I get an internship while working for Letterman? So I went to um we had an LA exchange program I worked for the late late show with Tom Snyder knowing that I would have would meet people there try to get an internship with worldwide pants in New York which I got um the following summer so that I could come back out for a job in late night and then Kilborn replaced Tom Snyder I think my second or third year out here and um yeah, some of the people I interned with were still there. And I remember, you know, I wrote them the letter and they brought me in and I, I felt like at 23, 24, I was like there, I was at the ground floor of a late night show. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a writer by the time I'm 25. And so like, you know, I just felt this kind of, you, you read about those guys all the time, people who do that. Um, so I felt like I was there and, and it wasn't clicking. Um, And I'm sure I was getting in my own way then, Uh, but I I moved out here more uh, so that I didn't have to have my parents over my shoulder in New York going, are you a writer yet? Are you a writer yet? (laughs) So uh, that was probably just me in my own head out here.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds like, you know, like for you to get on the, the show was like a lot of great positive momentum and then you're there and all of a sudden you feel like you're not moving. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, I mean, yeah, it, the people who were there were really, really strong writers, and it was like I should have felt great just getting jokes on the show, you know, like, um, and uh, and I'm sure if I had been a little bit more laid back about it and like just you know more grateful, honestly. I probably would have learned more and stuff probably would have happened faster. Maybe, I don't know. Um, But I'm sure, you know, how half, I feel like half of a writing job is people looking at you going, do I want to sit in a room all day with this person? And, um, you know, I'm sure I was giving off the vibe of no, they don't. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm sure I got, I I got my own way more than anything. and then Wellesley woke me up.
0: Yeah, I guess um, you. and So you said you after you had that, you crapped your pants, and he called you out for something <laughs> else. Uh, you stayed for another year or a couple months, and then you parted ways.
1: I think it was about another year I was there. Because um, uh, yeah, I started. Uh, I started submitting other places. I started, you know, really trying to just meet, use, basically use my position at the show to learn about what was going on at the show inside and out. So I would go out with the talent people and meet agents and, you know, go to the stand-up clubs and meet comics. I was doing stand-up at the time. I, you know, um, uh, I would go to, you know, I would just, I would just go wherever someone from the show was invited. I would go and, um, you know, just try to be more, um, I don't know, like receptive to to what was going on instead of just like trying to, you know, push it ahead. Yeah. You know, um, what's that? Like what makes Sammy run the book, you know, just kind of Sammy click, you know, that book at all? Mm, no, but. I probably- uh, yeah. Look it up. It's a Hollywood classic. Um yeah but i was trying not to be super uh i was trying i was trying to be more receptive to what was in front of me than being just like you know make you know being an asshole was trying to make whatever happen.
0: yeah did you um did you so when you kind of like had that moment or like that call to action uh did did that kind of permeate into your personal life like you're trying to be a better person in the workplace uh and, and i guess more humble um mm-hmm. did that kind of also f- you find that spring you know filling into your personal life with relationships with, with people
1: yeah absolutely i um like i like i said it was i i took my foot off the gas a lot um and just started to relax and you know i, I think have more fun and um it was shortly after that where um i met the woman I married, Leah, and uh um yeah, uh, you know I eventually left Kilbourne and uh like I said, career stuff career wise things started moving, but it really was like, and then things clicked with Leah, and you know stand up started to happen more uh easily um yeah the, I lost <laughs> I lost weight, I got in shape um yeah I think quality of life just got better when I relaxed a little bit um, so yeah, I think that more so more so than the actual um incident in the bathroom um the talk is what changed me, but i don't I honestly don't think I would have been open to it if uh if I wasn't so scared of being found out
0: <laughs> right you. <laughs> You, you you can you could only loosen up yourself by loosening up your bowels.
1: Yeah, yeah. The parallels. You can't not do it. You can't, can't not make that joke. Like, like you I said, I defy yeah. you.
0: It's an endless well. Uh, I yeah. It's funny how that happens, right? I mean, your moment was you know uh, crapping your pants, but it's funny how there's a moment that's completely mortifying or just aggressive, and then that will sort of change the course of your outlook or, or whatever. Um, I remember just for me personally, like this is like a way lighter example, but, um, you know, obviously I've, I've, I've gone through different challenges, uh, navigating writing. And I remember like one of the strongest samples I wrote was one I wrote cause I was so angry about the whole process of how subjective all is. And I just wrote a spec for a show called Marin. Oh yeah. yeah. That I, yeah, yeah, yeah that i loved like i knew no one was really watching and i knew it wasn't like a, even a show that's like on the list for like you know and like the writing programs or or that kind of thing right and so i just did it anyways i was like and ah, i'm so frustrated with this whole process uh and it turned out to be like the spec that got me into a writing program which i <laughs> that, that's great yeah it's kind of like one of those like you know you have like a kumbaya moment or like a fu moment like, i'm just gonna like mix it up or do something different. And I, I feel like in hindsight, I, I was writing to try to get into a program. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally wrote something for myself to show like what I like to think about or talk about, that was ultimately the one that broke through, you know, yeah. for, for yeah. me, but it was kind of like a moment where like, it took like an extreme, like, like I'm just going to totally do this or I'm just going to, well, I just crap my pants so it, nothing can get worse <laughs> now. You know, yeah, so
1: it's like, I mean, just think about that. that I mean, <clears throat> uh just the idea of like that angry guy who has to be taken aside and told you're being a dick. There's no way that guy's going to be receptive to the note. There's no way,
0: mm-hmm. it,
1: except for the salad, <laughs> the monologue, the sweating, okay. the accident, the dog, and then the next morning and <laughs> being having it being told to him then. It, literally a day before and I and I'm I'm saying fuck you and I'm not hearing the note and I'm and I'm just as much in that spot. Yeah, you you know, it's weird how those things work. <laughs> I mean, you know, not a modium, but um it's just weird <laughs> you can't not do it. Uh it's weird it's just weird how like yeah, life lessons hit you when you're ready for them. And I, and I always think about, like, how many are you missing when you're not ready for them? You know, like, how many times are you reading that paragraph in a book that would have changed your life if you read it two weeks ago, or if you read it the next morning, you know?
0: Yeah, I uh, I was gonna say, like, I, I think it's kind of like, I was just thinking about, like, the ending of the story of how, ironically, the one time, I guess in this particular work situation where you were actually just not trying, you weren't, you weren't letting your bitterness get the better of you. You literally had like a physical issue <laughs> yeah. that you were, yeah. that you weren't even trying to be rude about it. Like you just, you just had to really use the bathroom <laughs> yep. Yep. is uh, mis, yeah. misinterpreted or like to, to this day, I guess maybe your colleagues from Kilburn will hear this and be like, Oh, that's what happened.
1: <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't a dick, he was just always shitting himself <laughs> uh yeah no i uh it was only the one time
0: <laughs> well that's good uh so let me uh I guess I wanted to ask maybe one or two final questions um i so you mentioned uh y- your wife has never heard the story before and and you know I married myself, so those are very few and far between, right? you know, you, 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 if you're married for a while, you know, a lot of your spouse's stories period. Uh, yeah. uh, how do you, I guess she heard a log line, but once she hears the full tale here, how do you think she's going to feel?
1: Oh, she'll, uh, she won't be surprised at all. Um, <laughs> she's, we've had, we've had a couple of these not actual moments and accidents, but very close calls. Um so it's just something that's as my body reacts to stress that way. And I think she's uh um I think she's used to it. And she always felt like uh because we were friends, she knew me uh a little bit towards the end of my run at Kilborn, and she always thought that like I put that place on a pedestal and for whatever reason, it wasn't a right fit for me. And she was always like, you know, um, you know, that there might be great people there, but you're not, you know, it's, it's not right for you. You, you should spread your rings. You should get out of there. <clears throat> so that was kind of towards the end when I was about to leave. And she was like the final help that got me, that got me to go uh, and take, take another job. Um So I don't think she'll be surprised at all that, that this place pushed me to mess myself.
0: <laughs> um, and I guess, uh, my uh, my, my, guess my final question for you today is, uh, or for this episode is, um, you know, for someone that has written in a lot of rooms, uh, including my beloved selfie, uh, series, um, you tell stories all the time and, and, personal ones too uh i guess like why did you i don't i if you've already mentioned this i apologize uh i'm still thrown off by the crapping your pants stuff but
1: i'm I'm sorry i didn't mean to throw you off is this the first is this the first time you've been thrown off besides like the tarot card reader
0: no yeah that tarot card started threw me off quite like i was frazzled but the this is what i'm just like hmm like why okay why did you decide to hold this one Uh, close to the vest when i know in comedy you know people are gonna throw their stuff out there to, to see what works and get laughs and people can get very personal um so why did you keep this one close and then how do you feel now that any anyone can hear this uh all over america or beyond
1: here's the weird part i didn't tell this i don't think i've ever told this story because of the and I know I don't have to tell this part of the story, but this therapist element, I mm. I don't like talking about, until recently, I haven't liked talking about seeing a therapist because A, it feels to me like, um, it feels a little hacky to me, honestly. And um, the, usually the second question is, why are you seeing a shrink? Or why did you, you see a shrink when you were a kid? Or why do you see a shrink now? And like you know, some of that stuff. I don't want to put forth that piece of information and then be the guy who goes, "Oh, I'm not talking about it." But I think I'm finally at a place where I can say, "Ah, it's probably not it's best that we don't talk about it with this person or why well, I saw a shrink when I was a kid." So I never really, I never really talked about seeing a shrink until recently, um, and that's probably why I didn't give this part, uh, give tell the story a whole bunch, but uh, or ever. Um, any story with a shrink um, and it feels ba- yeah it feels good to tell it it feels good to <laughs> it feels good to get them get those stories off your chest, I feel uh, in general, but this one I knew I was going to tell it when Leah responded that way to the log line um, and then I was like, well why why is it important to tell like why does it feel like a good story and and then when I realized <laughs> the parallel between growing up and being a baby and shitting your pants. I was like, Oh yeah, I, am going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy telling this. So that was that, that was that kind of, that was part of the catharsis I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, I think that's a great kind of way to end the episode. It wasn't actually an answer I was uh, quite expecting. Uh, you know, I, I guess I was thinking like, Oh yeah. Cause you craft yourself. Who wants to share that story, but that you were more hesitant to talk about, you know, mental health, a therapy things like that, because and certainly there is for sure, stigma associated with that, and and people not wanting to necessarily acknowledge that they yeah. need they need that attention. You know, it, people usually have no problem saying, "Oh, I'm going to physical therapy because I broke my arm," mm-hmm. but or whatever, like a physical injury. But to seek you know right. just clarity in your mind and that kind of stuff is not as it's definitely a little easier now. But like certainly, I could see why you you know. That is actually a more <laughs> pressing it's, it's reason.
1: Weird. It's weird that that's. I mean, it says a lot about you know. Well, it says a lot about me that I'd be less embarrassed of having an accident than I am about paying someone to keep me close to sane. I
0: guess. But yeah, well, you know, it's a you know, you're, you're a comedy uh, expert, and certainly you know where jokes are like less damaging to your psyche i guess you could say yeah. you know as opposed to like yeah. talking about like your mental health uh, care and that kind of therapy and that kind of thing um so yeah uh well <laughs> thanks for sharing a very
1: sorry i'm sorry if i threw you off thanks for having me on
0: no no i no that was a great like hollywood type of story with uh, personal elements and a, kind of a nice message of like you you know coming out better on the other side (laughs) (laughs) thanks uh Uh, so thanks uh everyone uh thanks for listening to matt's story and we'll talk soon bye hey if you'd like to know when our next new episode comes in it's easy you can subscribe for the best story i never told that's right on itunes spotify google play or stitcher